1: Today's episode of the Star Local Media High School Sports Podcast is brought to you by Baylor Scott & White Sports Performance Center, Athletes Made Here. The Sports Performance Center was developed with one goal in mind, to maximize human performance through movement and recovery. Their team of expert performance sports coaches and trainers will guide you to achieve your performance goals. That's the Baylor Scott & White Sports Performance Center, located at the Star in Frisco. This episode is also brought to you by Allen Dental Studio, located off Bethany in Allen, their office was designed with you, the patient in mind, which means an excellent and enjoyable experience. From cosmetics to implants, you deserve a perfect smile and Allen Dental Studio can make that happen. Also, don't want to leave out another longtime friend of the podcast, Texan Senior Residential Care Homes. With locations in Carrollton and Dallas, Texan Senior Residential Care Homes offers an affordable, high quality alternative to senior living. Call now at 469-400-7650. That's Texen, spelled T-E-X-S-E-N, Texen Senior Residential Care Homes. Welcome to another episode of the Star Local Media High School Sports Podcast. My name is Matt Welch, being joined by Brian Murphy and only Brian Murphy. Just a two-man panel for this one. It's all you need. That's right, That's man. You. As we preview week seven of high school football season, see what we got going on in our coverage area. And obviously, Brian, as is tradition, that means starting off with our reader-voted game of the week. Uh, first off, big thanks to everybody who went to StarLocalMedia.com and voted on this week's poll, but a big extra super special thanks to the folks out in Frisco, which that is like that city is becoming kind of the standard bearer for the game of the they week this year because it feels like anytime we get a Frisco versus Frisco matchup, the masses show up in droves, and that was uh, sure enough the case once again, man. Thursday, Thursday kickoff, uh, seven o'clock out at the Star. Lone Star versus Independence. Probably on paper, if you're just talking about your sheer resumes, what they've accomplished mm-hmm. up to this point, probably the most worthy game of the five on the poll this week for a Game of the Week selection. So, yeah, Brian, let's talk about it, man. It's going to be a very Brian Murphy-centric episode with uh, okay. these being two teams that are very near and dear to you. Um, I'll chime in what I can because, um, nevertheless, like you look at what these two teams have done leading up to this point, and they're almost dead ringers for each other. In terms of just the way that they have taken care of business. They're both undefeated, not only for the regular season, but in district play, both five and oh, two and zero, and five five A Division One. And then you just you look statistically, I mean you have Independence, which is averaging more than 600 yards per game. The which number, is more than Lone Star. And more than yeah. McKinney North, for as much as we've yeah. talked about McKinney North's dynamic offense, Lone Star is actually averaging about 30 yards more per game. You They're, mean Independence? You said Lone Star? Oh, well, yeah, yeah. My yeah. bad. Independence. Yeah, yeah. Independence averaging 611 and a half yards per game. That is number one in the area. They're averaging 55.8 points per game, which also is, number one in the area. Yeah, more than Lone Star. Yeah. You compare that to Lone Star, though, which
2: is not like, yeah. that far behind. Yeah, two points less. I think yeah. something. <laughs> like that it's like
1: 564.6 yards number three in the area they're number four in the area and scoring at 54.2 and then defensively it is almost identical as well lone stars defense allowing 209.6 yards on average number six in the area independence 222.8 number seven in the area and then in terms of points allowed lone star 9.8 points allowed number three in the area independence 11 allowed number four in the area
2: i mean something's gotta give.
1: even right down to like their margin of victory because they've won almost all of their games in blowout fashion lone star has won its five games by an average of 44.4 points independence an average of 44.8 it's like i said it is it is crazy how we're halfway through the season and these two teams have been almost identical in how they have gone about um, amassing their undefeated records the difference though
2: is that only one of these teams has that big old shiny number one? Okay. And only one of these teams has gone into Highlander Stadium mm. and beaten Highland Park yes. on the road. Independence, they've had some blowout wins. They've mm. done what they've had to do against quote unquote lesser opponents. Mm-hmm. But they don't have that marquee win yet. You know, they've played Frisco Memorial. God bless them. Second year in the mm-hmm. program. Um, they've beaten Frisco Heritage to start off district play. Um, you know, they've, they've beaten Liberty. Mm-hmm. You know, a team that didn't win a game last year might not win a game this year, depending on what they do against a, a team like Heritage. Uh, okay, so two not-so-impressive wins on the resume. I mean, you did what you are supposed to do. You won by 50-plus mm-hmm. against those teams. Well... Then you play J.J. Pierce, you know, uh, a team that Wakeland also played uh, in a tough game there as well. And then they started the year off uh, with, let's see, oh, and they had Denton there as well. Another team, Lone Star, uh, played as well. So a common opponent there. They both beat Lo- uh, Denton by a lot. Pretty sound. Um, yeah. They beat Denton. Uh, Lone Star beat Denton by 70. Independents beat them 63-7. Uh, to 7. So you kind of look at common opponent, the same deal there, but... They haven't been tested They've been Mm -hmm. They've essentially taken The last two weeks off You know Against Liberty and Heritage You know The real test comes This week Whereas Lone Star They've been tested Mm -hmm. And they've still been Blowing the mess Out of these teams You know Blowing them out of the water And you know they were testing against Highland park and that game wasn't even all that close given the 11 point difference that they really won that mm-hmm. game by three or four scores. Yeah. Uh, if you watch the game, uh, they played a really good little team, a team that might make the playoffs and they made them look silly. Mm-hmm. They made Wakeland look silly. Another team that's poised to possibly make the playoffs and they're making these teams look silly. And I think it, it might hurt them that independence hasn't seen a team, a playoff caliber team mm-hmm. really yet. I, I mean, if you're looking at the schedule, who have they played? That's a playoff team at least in 5A. Oh, yeah. I, don't, I don't know about Pierce in 6A but if you're looking at these teams that they played 5A uh, opponents, it's like, well, they might get a wake-up call uh, this week against Lone Star but, I mean, Independents, they're still stacked. I mean, the numbers are insane with Braylon Braxton yeah. and, and Keon Wafer and, and those guys. And they lose their number one running back, Logan who who is just a stud, <laughs> but one of the best athletes to ever come through that program. And then they just switch their identity over to a passing attack. And it has a lot to do with Braylon Braxton. But they haven't faced a defense like Lone Star. Yeah, uh, that I, I've heard so many things from so many coaches that Lone Star defense is, is so special. They can they can bring three guys on the defensive line. They can just rush three guys. They still get pressure. They can, you know, rotate guys, bring in two more guys off off the sidelines, keep them fresh. They have about five or six guys that can really go on the defensive line. Then you look at their secondary, and almost every guy is six three and up. And the secondary, Torin Pittman and and Jalen Ford just came back from a, a, a brief suspension. Um, for some off the field issues but you know he's in there now mm-hmm. you know the tech uh, he just committed to Utah I saw that yesterday actually so that the pipeline man. The, the man Utah just reels him in from Lone Star of all, of
1: all the schools for Lone Star to have a pipeline What's with this? yeah Utah the Utah U too. you of Jason Shelley Jalen, Jalen Dixon, Dixon the vaunted quarterback receiver combo from back in the day yeah linebacker Jalen Ford
2: verbally committed yesterday and now they have arguably a top three or top four linebacker of all time to ever come through that program and that says a lot because oh, there's yeah. been some studs you know Nick Bolton's over there killing it in Missouri I don't know if you've <laughs> noticed that he's actually playing I believe it man. Uh, <laughs> uh, but yeah so then you know Jalen mm-hmm. Ford and then uh, Sterling Sheptoe and, and just all, they're, they're just so loaded Alessio Russelillo is leading that linebacking court mm-hmm. the middle linebacker position he might be the best in the district just he's just wow. all over the place there's just not a weakness on Lone Star and you talk to coaches and you, you give the eye test I've seen them play a couple times mm-hmm. and I saw them play against Island Park I saw them play against Wakeland I saw most of their highlights against Little Elm and it's just where's the weakness on this team and I, this is actually the first time I've seen Independence play this year Yeah. so I, 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 this will tell me a lot but also at the same time might not tell me much because I've only seen Wakeland play once this year and it was against Lone Star, and, you know, that's not really a good, you know, uh, meter to test mm-hmm. where they really are because a lot of teams will get blown out by them. But, you know, if Independence comes in there and, you know, they play them really tight, I'm. I'm spoiler alert, Lone Star I should win this game. I yeah. picked them to win this game. They're, you know, I don't see them losing to anyone in district. I, that's just uh, how, how it's going to go. That's how good they are. But, you know, this could be a good gauge for, for Independence and see, you know, if they – only lose by two or three touchdowns. Yeah. That's a strong showing. You know, they, they could be up in that that upper mm-hmm. echelon. You know, somewhere where Highland Park kind of was uh, as well.
1: Because with uh, with Independence, and I do think this game is a bit more fascinating from their vantage point. Mm-hmm. It's a little more interesting just because, again, when you're Lone Star, when you've beaten Highland Park in their own place, it's really tough to get any more impressive than that. As far as yeah. what you can realistically show us that we don't already know. But yeah, what you say about Independence getting up to this point, it is like it is worth noting just that schedule that. They have played. I added up the combined records of their opponents as just eight and nineteen. So, and of those, like you say, maybe Pierce makes the playoffs out of that district in 6A, yeah. But nevertheless, though, it, they, yeah, they haven't really faced anybody that can truly pressure them, and it's why I wonder, from your vantage point, like, what do you look for in Independence? How do you kind of gauge what? Because you've, you know, you went on uh, on record last week and saying that you think Independence could be the second best team in this mm-hmm. district. So we're now about to see the what the theoretical gap is between yeah. one and two in this district. Yeah. So what does Independence? And this is again, I know of sight unseen you haven't seen what they they bring to the table yet but um what do they kind of need to show you in this matchup as far as maybe validating their standing as potentially the second best team in the district
2: so kevin rochelle last week the wakeland mm-hmm. standout receiver who has 13 touchdowns this year uh he's been phenomenal he was locked down yeah. by by lone star secondary if you know if they can get that that connection between braxton and wafer going Mm-hmm. You know, and that team has not been able to to do that this year uh, they teams haven't been able to uh, consistently move the ball or even through the air against that secondary. You know We saw what happened with Highland Park. you know four interceptions were thrown and they couldn't even throw the ball uh, with their stud quarterback they have over there, but if they can get that connection going, score early that 's another thing that Lone Star has done. Lone Star has punched its opponents in the mouth. From the very first play of yes. the game That's what they do They don't waste any time They did it to Wakeland They did it to Highland Park They were up 28 to nothing by blink of a blink of an eye Against Little Elm um, and, and it's not just Garrett Rangel to Marvin Mims That has been spectacular But it's that defense mm-hmm. They either force a turnover Or force a three and out on the, uh, on the opposing team's first possession, no matter what. And then next thing you know, Lone is gonna score, mm-hmm. which they usually score on a, on the first play of the game. I've seen them score on the first play of the game twice this year, yeah. two Marvin Mims, usually a 40, 50, 60, 70 yard play. Uh, and then the, de- the opposing offense can't do anything against the, the defense, the Lone Star defense on the next drive. And next thing you know, they score again. And that's just the thing that Independence is going to have to do. They're going to have to weather this storm because if they fall behind, like everyone else has, mm-hmm. to Lone Star, you know, by three touchdowns or three, three or four scores by the f- when the first quarter is still in play, then they might they might sway them away from their game plan, and that's not what they yeah. want to do. If they can, you know, I don't know. If you're Independence, do you receive to start? The game? Do you do you want to? Yes. And then see what you can do, and then.
1: Because I think the, because that's like I think this game is. You can make a case it will be won or lost in the first quarter at the very least, or show if Independence is going to have a fighting chance. True. I should say, like they can very well lose the game in the first quarter, but because that's where, like you said, Lone Star has been at its best, wouldn't you know? I actually did some numbers on this, Brian, averaging nearly 24 points in the first quarter this season. Sounds about right. They have had 20 first quarter drives in total, and they have scored points on 18 of them. <laughs> where are the other two they didn't score. <laughs> Ironically enough, there was one in those first two games of the year against Richland and Denton. There was one in each of the first quarters there okay. where they didn't they either punt it or whatnot. but um but yeah or had a turnover on downs, but yes. Like outside of that though since again, in the, Highland Park, Little M and the Wakeland, competition has
2: gotten even harder yes. since Richland and Denton and they've been even they've gotten even better. Oh yeah, against Highland
1: Park, Little M and Wakeland, they have been flawless. They have scored on every first quarter drive. Um so yeah, that's where if you're Independence, you just have to be ready for that barrage because mm-hmm. that's the only way that no Lone Star knows how to roll. So if you, yeah, if you can get out of there without, you know,
2: staring up at a 24-0 deficit or something to that tune, then you know. I, don't, you're, I don't think anyone has scored. A, I know that I, I don't think there's been a touchdown in the first quarter against Lone Star this year. Because Highland Park, they only had three points at halftime. Little Ohm, I don't think they. I think they had six points going in the second half, yeah. and Wakeland didn't score until yeah. the second half. I believe it. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, so if you can score a touchdown in the first quarter, you're in good shape. If you're down maybe by a score, if if this game is tied at the end of the first quarter, Oh, boy. Oh boy. you know Because that's,
1: that's going to make, like, Lone Star, like, that's going to, nobody's even been able to so much as make them uncomfortable this season. First, no one's ever been able to make either of these teams uncomfortable. They have not yet trailed.
2: True. See, we're talking so much about Lone Star, and saying what, you know- A what, lot of this stuff applies to Independence, too. They have not yes. trailed yet this season, yes. either. So that's the, uh, and that's kind of one of the
1: fun little underlying subplots, is that for the first time all season, one of these two teams is going to be made uncomfortable. And as to how they respond to that, well, that's going to kind of say a lot about their kind of their mental makeup, I guess, especially if you're a team like a Kind of, like, an independence who really hasn't been cracked in the mouth yet. At the very least, you know, you knew that Lone Star was going to be on pins and needles during that Highland Park game just because of all that surrounded yeah. that one. Um, yeah, just with with independence, though, I mean, they've had teams that have scored on them in the first quarter. They've been in 7 6, 7 3, and whatnot, but um, nobody that's been able to really kind of sustain any sort of offensive rhythm yeah. against them. So you just wonder how either of these teams is going to respond once the other inevitably does what it's, you know, does
2: it as it has been all season. How's Lone Star going to respond if Braylon Braxton hits way for, oh, yeah. uh, and they get the ball first and they score on a 50-yard touchdown somehow you know they beat that secondary something that they're not accustomed to seeing this year how are they going to respond? For sure. And in that matchup right there, I mean, the,
1: the battle of the stud wide receivers. Yeah. We have two of the most prolific wideouts in the entire Metroplex on display in this matchup. We went into lengthy detail on Monday's podcast about the Marvin Mims show mm-hmm. and just the, the special, special year that he is putting together. Just to quickly refresh, Marvin Mims, 40 catches, 1,054 yards, 12 touchdowns, an average of 26.4 yards Per catch, he is leading the area in receiving yards by a ton. That would be a career year for almost every other wide receiver. Oh yeah, we can look on and he's, our. That's
2: on, just six games.
1: There might have been kids on our all our all area team last season that had right around that oh, production not even. for for an entire season. Yeah. I mean, it's yeah. He is like I said, he could be. It's not out of the question that by the end of the season, depending on how long, how long Lone Star is able to extend its season, that um, this could be the leading receiver in the entire state. Early favorite for the store local media gridiron MVP. All area MVP? Yeah. Gotta think so, man. It's been, I mean, it's it's impressive the year that he is having. But that's not to dismiss anything that Keon Wafer's been doing sure. for Independence because as gaudy as that yards per catch average is from Marvin Mims, Keon Wafer's even better. <laughs> he has twenty-five <laughs> catches on the year for 714 yards and 13 touchdowns, good for 28.6 yards per catch. Um, yeah he's tied for the area lead in receiving touchdowns they've also got a worthy number two receiver i don't know how to say his first name ziggle mcgill ziggle mcgill mcgill that's what we'll call (laughs) ziggill mcmillan i should say uh he has 27 catches 551 yards eight touchdowns 20.4 yards per catch they've got top two wide receivers that are both averaging more than 20 yards per catch i wonder how many offenses period in the in the state have that (laughs) <laughs> that was that's really, any. That is really tough to come by. And that obviously speaks to the uh, the job that Braxton is Yeah, I was just about to say, line.
2: that means Braylon Braxton's numbers are through the roof. Yeah. You know, he's got 25 touchdowns just through the air alone this year. Almost 1,700 yards through the air. More than Garrett Rangel, who's doing a phenomenal job mm-hmm. uh, in his first season with Lone Star. Something has to give in this game. <laughs> and I, I, yeah, I picked Lone Star, but I, I, I still expect Braylon Braxton mm-hmm. and the Knights to put up a, a good amount of points. Uh, you know, Highland Park, they were able to put up 19 on them. Mm-hmm. I, you got to think Independence is going to score more than 19 points, right? Can they? You do the, I, I mean, I don't know. I mean, it they're, they're it 50, is Highland Park after all.
1: That's, yeah. True, <laughs> true. But like... They <sighs> would hold any offense just to the Highland Park standard of production because, I mean, yeah, it's, like I said, getting, nobody's gotten over 20 on them. Highland Park's yeah. the closest, but that and that was with Chandler Morris and
2: all that firepower that they have. And that so. was a lot of late touchdowns when Lone Star already had a three-score three lead, so they were kind of, yeah. you know, We'll, we'll play the pass a little bit we'll, we'll kind of lay off here a little bit so they really Highland Park really should have scored less than 19 when it comes mm-hmm. down to it but yeah so that that leaves you to you know where's this Independence offense that's scoring 56 a game that has you know would, would you say that Braxton has the second most yards after the McKinney North kid yeah he's he, I believe yeah. he's
1: number two in passing yards He is tied for the area lead in, in passing touchdowns um, but yeah again they just haven't seen anything like yeah like I think ultimately
2: does. it'll hurt them saying you know seeing that they've they started off district and it's not their fault but they started off district with heritage and liberty i kind of want to see them play the colony also that would be awesome and then wakeland that we could kind of test to see where they you know where they really really are uh, but i still think they're legit i still think they could be the second best team in this district and and I, there's going to be a lot of tests here you know and like i said if even if they lose this game you know by 20 you could still look okay well they are still somewhat legit you mm-hmm. know cuz not any, anyone everyone else is losing by a million uh, to Lone Star, but that first quarter, like we like we talked about, it's it's going to be it's going to be huge, and I wouldn't be surprised if if, if Independence kind of hits them in the mouth first, you know, with a with an early touchdown.
1: One well, side of the ball that I guess we didn't mention though, just in kind of breaking into offense versus defense, is what are the chances that perhaps the Independence defense can do something to make Lone Star uncomfortable? Because we did rattle off the numbers earlier, and Independence's defense has been among the best in the area, you know, for what it's worth. And again, you, know, you have to factor in that competition and whatnot. So this will be their first test against a, uh, an above-average offense, certainly. Um, but then you look at just the job that Independence's defensive line has done with guys like Jaden Wallace, who's got 16 tackles for loss, three sacks. Uh, Nick Carpin, five sacks, 14 tackles for loss. They've done a really good job dominating the line of scrimmage. Now, you can speak to perhaps what Lone Star has in the trenches to counter that. But, um, I mean, I don't know. Do we feel like this could be a chance where, I mean, I don't know if, uh, what was it, uh, did Wakeland uh, make any bold proclamation last week about trying to hold Marvin Mims
2: to, what was so- it? <laughs> many points I don't know if uh, independence is gonna go that far but I saw something on Twitter I'm not gonna call out names or mm. say names or anything but there there was a, a hashtag something about keeping Marvin under 20 points or his limit would be 20 points well he scored 21 points insane, in the first you go, into, you go into some games thinking alright let's hold this entire team it's under 20 points imagine not being one single player imagine being that good we're like hey okay this guy's not gonna score more yeah. than three touchdowns I dare you next.
1: to score three touchdowns on
2: this <laughs> goodness and he scored three touchdowns in less than six minutes of the first quarter <laughs> But that's not all they have. It's yeah. not just Marvin Mims. You know the, the offense is so explosive. I've mentioned Jake Bogdan before. You know the running back, mm-hmm. and they have three returning starters on the offensive line from last year as well. Okay. They're doing a great job protecting Rangel. Um, they're they're they like I said. They literally have no weakness. It's not like okay, their offense offensive line is weak, so they just lob it up to Marvin Mims, or Mims is all they have. They don't have a running game, or they don't have a wide receiver mm-hmm. too. They have. Three or four wide receivers that can go, including Mams. They have a running back who is, off the top of my head, who, I'm trying to think of a, a better running back right now. Um, I mean, he's he's in contention. In, you know, we got the guys from Little Elm, Jordan Hall and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. He's that good uh, at running back. He kind of moved from slot receiver over. Uh, and like I said, that offensive line has been really good. Okay. Really, really good. I was, cu- it's, I was curious
1: because, like they, like, they saw what at least was on paper an elite pass rush against Highland Park with Prince Dorba. Do you yeah. recall
2: if they had any fits with Prince him? Dorba had one sack that I recall, that I remember specifically, he had one sack. Other than that, it's not like Rangel was running for his life. I, I, it, I rarely remember seeing Rangel run for his life at all. Because if you are going
1: to obviously try to uh, upset the apple cart and throw that offense out of rhythm, obviously it helps to f- speed
2: things up and make Rangel have to yeah. move around a bit more. In general. And he's more of a pocket passer. He's not, he's not prone. He's not MJ Rivers or Jason Shelley. He's not going to take off. Mm-hmm. You know, every other play, he's he's going to sit in the pocket. He's going to look through his projection, proje- uh, you know, his his reads and everything, and, and hit his man. But if you can get some pressure on Rangel and kind of say, hey. You know, we're coming after you. You're only a sophomore. You haven't been in this position very long. You know, we're going to make you feel really uncomfortable. Yeah, maybe, you know, the the offense can get kind of rattled, but I don't see it happening. Yeah. So what kind of I guess put a uh, a score? Yeah,
1: put a score to this because we yeah, again we're in we're in unison on this one. We both do think Lone Star is gonna remain undefeated. I'm not I'm not picking against Lone Star until maybe yeah they were to draw Highland Park in the playoffs.
2: Yeah, there's no reason to pick Outside against Lone. That, Star there's right really now. No, oh yeah, god. No. There's they have
1: no there's not yet been a case made to pick against them in any circumstance. So um yeah, kind of how do you foresee this one ultimately playing out though?
2: Man, I, I, I Lone Star's still gonna put up points. I think this game's somewhere in the ballpark of forty Forty-seven to twenty-eight, 47 something, 28 something like be that. A pretty
1: respectable showing yeah. for, uh, for yeah. Independence. Yeah, I, I think
2: time. Independence will put up points. I'm not saying what quarter they're going to score these points at. Yeah,
1: because I guess context but, does matter. If they've started funneling in the third and fourth stringers or whatnot, yeah, and, that's when and, then, and then Braxton comes the, to life and they yeah. stay
2: and they stay on the field. But I, they're going to score more than three touchdowns. Mm-hmm. I, I would, you know, they should given that the this offense's track record and the talent level mm-hmm. of that offense. But I still think Lone Star they. I don't think they have enough firepower to keep up with them on both sides mm-hmm. of the ball. Awesome. And that's our game of the week. Independence versus Lone Star. Yes, the picket Independence line, is going to win by 40 now. Or we're, we're just... Whew, boy. Yeah. <laughs> that, would be, uh, that
1: would be quite the shockwave. <laughs> so I mean, yes, you and I were not alone. Mm-hmm. The, uh, the picket line was unanimous in picking Lone Star to remain undefeated, maintain that number one state ranking um, against Independence. And, uh, yeah, so you, um, for our student athlete spotlight, though, shine a little light on Independence. haven't had a chance to talk with them yet. Um, you're able to swing by campus, talk with quarterback Braylon Braxton in anticipation of this big game Thursday, 7 o'clock, out at the Star. And, yeah, after the, uh, on the other side of this break, we will see what Braylon Braxton had to say. Today's podcast is brought to you by Star Local Media, 14 newspapers and websites with a print distribution of 270,000 homes and monthly pages of 600,000 online. Star Local Media, your community voice for news. And now, let's get back to the podcast.
2: I'm here with Independence quarterback Braylon Braxton. And Braylon, man, you, uh, you y'all are off to a really, really hot start, undefeated. Uh, To start the year, man, what what has been working? What's been that recipe to the success so far?
3: Uh, So far this year, recipe for success has been our O line. So far, you know, there's a a good group of guys. They keep me safe back there. I give our running backs lanes to run, and it's easy to just sit back there and throw the ball when we got those five blocking for you.
2: Now mention mention some of those guys by name, you know, because. You know, um, you you and, and Wafer and a lot of the guys, y'all get all the, the notoriety, but who are some of those uh, big offensive linemen keeping you safe back the there?
3: Line, our center, we got to start off with our center, Tyler McKinney. He's a dog. He sees everything coming at him. He calls out all the blitzes before they happen. And then we got our right guard, Derger Cavetti. He's a senior, he's a strong guy. He's been on the starting offensive line since he was a sophomore, actually. And then you got Jack Carhu, our right tackle. He's also a senior. He's a big leader for us. And then we got our left our left guard, uh, Ethan Kempros, he's a junior just like me. And then we got our left tackle, Trace Madrid. Trace Madrid, he's also a junior like me.
2: Now, you, you, like you just mentioned, it's your junior season. You started all all the games last year as a sophomore. For sure. You know, how much different has this season been from last, you know, your second uh, second year here on the varsity?
3: Uh, you know, last year everything was just coming real fast at me. Like, I felt like I was, like, like everything was kind of, like, forced, like, I was like kind of reading slower, but this year everything's coming a lot more natural and everything's easier for me.
2: Now, how much easier has uh, one of your receivers, Kion Wafer? How much easier has he made your job this season?
3: Uh, he's made everything a lot easier. You know, he's a big-time playmaker. He's a guy who I can look to anytime. Like if it's the sticks, like third and long, I can go to him. I can always look at him. If it's a guy pressed up on Kion. I probably know I'm gonna go to him.
2: Now. Uh, you kind of you mentioned earlier you're a you're a Texans fan. You're from Houston, right. so you you're not originally from Dallas. You're not a Cowboys fan, uh, yeah. but you know Houston has a really good quarterback, uh, Deshaun Watson. Do you kind of try and model your game around him? And who who are some other you know professional either college or NFL professional quarterbacks you try and uh, model your game after?
3: Well, right now, yeah, Deshaun Deshaun Watson is actually my favorite quarterback in the NFL right now. I just like the way he plays the game. He's a dynamic guy. He spreads the ball around. He's also a mobile guy who can get stuff done with his legs. So I like Deshaun Watson. But also like Aaron Rodgers. I like the way like he he extends plays with his legs but he's not a run first guy, you know. He like tries to move around but he moves around to throw. Now,
2: this week you know, y'all are, y'all are facing uh, y'all's toughest opponent yet, number one, Lone Star. Right. You know, what what's the, the, the preparations mentally and physically, you know, heading into this week against, you know, what should be the toughest opponent y'all face so far?
3: So far, we've just been looking at it like it's a normal game for us. We're not trying to do anything out of the norm. We're just coming in, going to work like we've been doing for the past weeks. You know, Lone Star's a good team. They got a good group of guys over there. But, you know, we're just going to go out and do what we do and try to get the victory.
2: How well do you know some of those guys over there? Do you know Marvin Mims and some of the other stuff over there?
3: I know Marvin Mims from a few seven on seven things and a few camps. Yeah, I
2: know. Now, what, what's? I know you're not a defensive guy on this team, but you know what's? <laughs> how much? How tough is he going to be to try and contain? Uh, he's uh, a,
3: Marvin's another playmaker. Marvin, I compare Marvin to our Kion, so like our guys are getting good work against Kion and our McMillan, another playmaker for us. So. They should be ready to go head to head against him.
2: Yeah, now McMillan, he he hasn't been getting enough shine, you know, right. with, with Wafer, you know, with the the numbers he's been putting up. But talk about his impact. Zalou, to the offense Zalou as well. Dalil
3: McMillan, he's also another playmaker for us. He's another vertical threat, a big six-two kid. He also he has great hands, great route running. He's not a guy who can stretch the defense, so he's good for us too.
2: Now, for y'all to pull off the upset, you know, this Friday against Longstar, what has to happen?
3: You just got to make all, you got to do everything right. We got to play as a team. You can't have mental mistakes. And when, like, if something, because the Lone Star is a good team, they're going to make plays, but we can't get down when they make plays. You just got to keep our head up and we got to keep pushing through.
1: Big thanks to Braylon Braxton for taking the time to chat with Brian for a student-athlete spotlight, helping preview our reader-voted Game of the Week, Lone Star versus Independence, Thursday, 7 o'clock, out at the Star in Frisco. Hope it's a good one. Um, but nevertheless, there were four other games that were up for contention on the Game of the Week poll. We'll talk about those, give our picks for those as well. First off, on a quick tangent, Brian, I was so disappointed in this the way the picket line turned ruined out this my week. week. I, um, so yeah, we I, obviously we, you know, we pick 10 in-market games. We try to make them a nice combination of the most high-profile and also the most competitive. Mm -hmm. And theoretically, that should breed a lot of contention and dissension and whatnot and a lot of people going in a bunch of different directions because there's a lot of games this week between some really good football teams, but for the first time in... Maybe the history of the picket line, or at least as far as I can recall, we were unanimous on every single freaking
2: game. The, and I'm so the, upset. The worst thing that could have ever happened. <laughs> I've never, I mean, in my time here, I've never seen this. Because it doesn't make sense in theory, because when you look over some of the games that we're about
1: to talk about, like they are very competitive games on paper. You can make a case for both of these teams. It's not like we pick a bunch of blowouts. Yeah. But whether it was just there wasn't enough evidence to sway one person, one or two people in the direction of one team. Because sometimes, like, listen, if all things are equal, like sometimes we'll just default and pick the team that's, like, in our coverage area or whatever that we know the closest. And there weren't really any cases of that where you would be taking a team that might theoretically be an underdog in the matchup. But nevertheless, yes, all of our picks this week were unanimous. I'm so sorry for that. I
2: hate it. I I wish I could go back and redo this. I'm on the verge of just changing one or two of my picks. Just because, but I'm in first place. Yeah, no, you got no reason to, man. We're playing catch yeah. up behind you. Albeit not yeah. by much.
1: This has been also the most contentious picket line as far as how man. closely knit everybody is, is standing.
2: Four games separates first from i I'm from in fourth last?
1: place, and there's two games separating you and I. Yeah. So let's see. All right. So let's talk about of the other games that we have on tap this week that were up for contention uh, for game of the week this is a big week in district 66a we finally get some matchups between the power five schools in that oh, district yeah. the lewisville isd and capel cluster um, we get two big matchups marcus versus hebron is probably on paper the most high profile of them uh, both teams are four and one uh two and oh on the season this one is at marauder stadium in marcus in a notoriously tough place to play I'll... i'm surprised no one picked Marcus. Yeah, I mean, and you can line. make a, yeah. a. I know we've kind of been, you know, trumpeting the, you know, the Hebrons, the the district frontrunner yeah. and whatnot. they were my pick to win the district title this year. So I don't know if that was playing on any sort of in any sort of preference in which one team may lead. I though think I mean, if I was making this pick at the start of the year, I would have gone Hebron in a landslide. Now though, with what these teams have yeah. shown, I think this game could be very, very competitive. Um, the Marcus offense, as we talked about at the start of the year, thought there was a chance the Marcus offense might be able to emerge as the number one offense in the district. Wouldn't you know? But they're averaging 454 yards uh, per game this season. That is number one in the district. But they're going up against the number one defense in the district, Hebron. 271 yards allowed per game. Um, You know they had that incredible performance against Arlington Martin. I know the final score might not reflect that. 33 to 14. It was not a game that was sort of any indictment against the Hebron defense. They were incredible in that one. Um, But Marcus's offense has really hit its stride as of late. You know they've scored at least 50 points in three consecutive games. But you got to factor in the competition. They started off district play against two of the Irving schools. Yep. Did what you're supposed to do against the two Irving schools. They did hang 55 on Waxahachie, You know, so that's of note. Um, but now we're going to kind of we're going to answer the question of whether or not this offensive search has been more so related to the competition, or if that unit has really forged an identity. Um, because they did have a bit of a slower start to the year. I was out there for the season opener against Arlington Bowie when they were kind of held in check. They were mm-hmm. sort of only 14 points, I recall. Um, and then it took them a little while to. Get get going against McKinney Boyd that following week. Um, so this- and
2: that kind of concerns me. Mm-hmm. You know, if you're a good team, if you're you know, a team capable of beating Hebron, you should be blown out a team like McKinney-Board. He yeah, still doesn't have an identity yet either.
1: It's a case where, again, you're not sure whether or not it was still an offense trying to find its sea legs. So there, were, two, there were yeah. a lot of new pieces. And again, yeah, it was the second yeah. week of the season. The so teams are still trying to work, you know, work some kinks out. So, um, but nevertheless, so yeah, they've looked great. You know, Garrett Nussmeyer, who was the special guest on Monday's podcast, he has been lights out. Tyson Edwards is among the work, the, the top workhorse backs that you'll find in the area. Um, and then they have a really balanced receiving core. J. Michael Sturdivant, Christian Espinoza, Dallas Dudley, lots of guys they can spread the ball around to, so they don't really feel the need to force feed it to one guy like Sturdivant, who's a Division I prospect. They've got a lot of ways to beat you. Um, Hebron, on the other hand, they have a very dynamic running offense, you know, led by Jalen Lott, Isaiah Broadway, the quarterback Carson Harris. Um, Marcus has held up really well against the run, too, allowing just under 110 yards per game on the ground. Um, You know, Hebron, I wonder how much if they don't have just the the special teams collapse against Martin and just that 24 9 nothing <laughs> deficit yeah. at the end of the first half despite the despite their defense holding Martin to negative yardage on offense, how much that might, like if that game just goes any other way, like how much that might color the perception of what Hebron is, because Hebron could theoretically be undefeated yeah. if not for those repeated special teams gaffes against Martin, and then you're looking at a team that maybe is state-ranked and whatnot, so um, yeah, I... Hebron's been a little, like, the offense hasn't been exactly what I've, what I've envisioned. I thought that they, uh, and granted, like, I guess losing Trajan Bridges is pretty significant. Mm-hmm. The passing game is still really yet to find a consistent groove. Now, they do have, I mean, we were just talking on the uh, first half of the podcast about yards per catch with the two dynamic receivers in the Independence Lone Star matchup. Hebron wide receiver Nick Frazier has 10 catches on the year for 361 yards and four touchdowns. Yes, 36.1 yards per catch. Why does he only have ten catches? <laughs> it's a uh, again. It is not a uh, not exactly what has been a high volume passing attack this season. They do predicate things on that backfield with Lawton Broadway, um, but nevertheless, yes, I um, I'm sticking with Hebron in this one. Again, I think this could be a much closer game than I otherwise would have expected. Um, but I just feel like I feel better about Hebron's resume up to this point. What they've oh, shown yeah. against higher caliber competition, um, and uh, yeah, we'll see how it shakes out. Um, the picket line was in uh, in alignment on that one. Like like I said, yeah, they're all unanimous. So uh, everybody picked Hebron. Although again, I think this one could be a little bit closer than that might uh, that might lead one to believe. Um, and then you have a matchup over at Capel at Buddy Ecclesfield, Field Friday, seven o'clock, where Capel welcomes Louisville. Two more teams that figured to vie for uh, one of those uh, Mm -hmm. one of those four playoff spots. Um, You know, if you think back to our season preview podcast, this was actually the matchup that uh, I think uh, me and Taylor kind of settled on. Okay, the winner of this matchup is getting a playoff spot, and the loser is ultimately going to be left out because you got to think they're all going to take care of business against the Irving schools. Mm -hmm. It's just about how they do head to head against one another. Mm -hmm. Um, So, you know, it's a matchup between a Louisville team that has. I mean, again, they have a hard luck loss to, uh, you know, to Flower Mound, but beyond that, they look, you know, to be improved at the very least on the offensive side of the ball. Defense set such a high bar last year; they've been strong. Perhaps maybe a slight, uh, you know, step back and whatnot, but still a really solid team overall. You know, with what they've shown with a really, uh, you know, high, uh, high efficiency passing attack with Taylen Green at, at quarterback, and then you got the two receivers, Armani Winfield, Isaiah Stevens. It's a lot of. It's, oh, yeah. It is an element the teams have not had to worry about when defending Louisville for some time two dynamic playmakers on the outside. Um, with Capel, you credit them for this, you know, despite their record being 2-3 and three and 1-1 one and one in district. It's all close games. They've played everyone yeah. tough, with the exception of, again, they blew out Irving MacArthur. You throw that game out, though. Um, you throw that game away. The average Capel game across those other four has been decided by 6.3 points. So yeah, When this is against Allen, this is against Hebron, this is against yeah. Um So win or lose, it's always a close game. So at the very least, you should be expecting a fun, competitive
2: game. Yeah, I can't figure them out. And I'm surprised someone didn't pick Coppell.
1: Here's what here's what deterred me from going that far because as close as those games have been, yeah. they are just one in three in those aforementioned contests. So this is a young team, and again, when the uh, when the going gets tough, it's just been a little bit tougher to close mm-hmm. the deal in these closely contested matchups in the fourth quarter. Um, so yes, until I can see them truly. Show that they're capable of getting over the hump against someone not named LD Bell. Um, I have to. Uh, I've got to side with. Wow, shots fired so at LD. Yeah, sorry, man. It is what it is. Um, so yes, um, that's why I ultimately am going uh, Louisville in this matchup. Um, Again, unanimous, everybody picking the Farmers to upend the Cowboys in a game that should, um, yes, I don't know if you want to call this a playoff eliminator because I think that the, the gap between these elite teams in this district, it's not that much. I don't think there is a head and shoulders favorite above, mm-hmm. above the, uh, the fray. but this one could tell Louisville a very, very important matchup relative to, uh, to the playoff seating. Prosper versus Jesuit. Boy. This gets interesting now. Over in District 968, this one Mm -hmm. is at Jesuit at Postel Stadium, Friday, 7 o'clock. Brian, you can speak to this one because, uh, I mean, Prosper, man, this is a... uh, The Prosper defense has been outstanding this season. I mean, you look at the numbers they are allowing, only 209.2 yards, 12.4 points allowed. Um, Number one in the district in both categories They've been terrific, and this is I think with um, you know you can make a case for Flowermount for sure, but it can also make a case for Jesuit being the most dynamic offense that they will have seen up to this point. So what is um what is kind of your initial read on this matchup, which you know you can make a case biggest test to date for Prosper,
2: more dynamic than Flower Mound? You
1: can Make or a Blank case Thor? again, you can make a case just because they do have it's. So they, they have so many different options whereas you know what to expect with Pierce Hudgens there's probably about one or two receivers for Flyerman that yeah. can take care of you you have two running backs though EJ Smith and Jake Taylor both you know, can do great things with the ball in their hands like again EJ Smith is I will say this though there is no disputing EJ Smith is the best skill position player that they've seen this
2: season oh yeah no doubt about it yeah and the thing uh, in- is he might I mean who's better at Allen well um, besides the two receivers yeah yeah outside of that I mean yeah that running back the running back position yeah no he's, yeah. Better. he's, he's a better prospect for sure than
1: Selden Manning um, but I said I just got to see Jesuit against McKinney Boyd so at least I have an idea of what they of what they can do and what they bring to the table and like for as great as E.J. Smith is it's not all about him they don't just run everything mm. they don't just live and die by how E.J. Smith plays um, you know they have again Jake Taylor who's going to see just as much action out of the backfield as E.J. will they line them up both you know both at, a, at wide receiver I mean they'll, they'll use use EJ all over the field, whether it's inside or outside in the backfield. Um, and then there's like three or four different receivers that are no guys that are going to just blow your doors off, but really, really effective possession style receivers. They can move the chains. It's a really, really efficient high-octane high, um, high octane offense that can really mix the tempo up on you. And it's I think they can do some schematic things that Prosper hasn't had to worry about yet. So I'm I'm just fascinated to see because, again, Prosper's defense has been so great. Um, and this is their first test against you can say, again, like Firemount Is I don't want to dismiss them Because Mm -hmm. that's really good offense in its own right Um, But I think Jesuits got a little bit of a a Similar uh, ceiling as far as what they're capable of As well, now hopefully they have a better showing For their sake, because I do want to learn as much about this Prosper defense as I
2: can This is going to be a a true test Mm -hmm. For them, you know, if, if they get run over yeah, I mean, their defense, you know, looks sloppy. They can't force turnovers like they did against McKinney in mm. the other game that I saw them play. And by the way, they made McKinney's, uh, they, McKinney's, that um, with the Rojas kid and then Isaiah, court, Rojas. Uh, Isaiah Rojas. They have some area leaders in, yeah. in, in yards per game and, and, and whatnot. And they made them look like sophomores. Good. I mean, they are sophomores, but they yeah. made them look. You know, not as explosive and not mm-hmm. as dominant like as they were with uh, with other teams. But you know, if if EJ Smith is running all over them and, and the other running back you mentioned and and, and whatnot, and it, is this time to kind of hit the panic button on this uh, for for Prosper defensively? Because there's been a lot of chatter. Mm-hmm. If you've been if and the if they have social, one like underwhelming like, showing, that, oh yeah, okay. Talk about I, you I th- and th- well, I think it's more for for us guys on Twitter and yeah. stuff. But I, I think in turn they they should be fine. I mean. I'm surprised someone didn't pick Jesuit for this game, also. But then again, Prosper hasn't given us something yeah, to pick against. That's them. that's the and point. So,
1: because there's also the other side of the ball too, and Prosper's offense has been so explosive oh yeah.
2: with Jackson Berry, J.T. Lane, Tyler Bailey. They're going to score points on Jesuit for sure. It wouldn't shock me if Jesuit, you know, snuck this game out, you know, close one. And, you mm-hmm. know, it would not surprise me. But it also wouldn't surprise me if Prosper just blew them out mm-hmm. by, you know, three, four, or more scores in this one. So. Prosper is easily the favorite, but you know, Jesuit, they, they, they could make a, a big, big statement mm-hmm. here with, with the win over Prosper, and they could really solidify themselves as that. "Quote unquote," second best team in the district.
1: Jesuits at the very least are going to be battle tested in a way that Prosper yeah. really hasn't been this season. Yeah, and that's another
2: thing. They're they're that non district schedule, and then starting off at Plano East last week. It's not really a tough test there, albeit they shut them out. You know, they start the year with Rolette. What is Rolette? We you know we talked about it. it what is ten six eight? <laughs> they're 6A? undefeated
1: in 10 6 six eight. Well, that are. means nothing.
2: <laughs> uh, and then you know Timber Creek, and they, you know yeah, you can look at that Flower Mound game, and what they did is really really impressive. But you know what? I think it is. Like yeah, I don't want to. I
1: heard yeah. some you know some folks on social media maybe. Kind of kind of poke holes in that and whatnot, but no, yeah. uh, I mean, between Blake Short and Pierce Hudgens, that was the number one, you know, returning quarterback receiver uh, running yeah. back combination in the in the area relative to what they produced last year. So, I mean, yeah, that's that's a really good offense that they shut down. So, I do take I do put some merit in that being up five touchdowns or whatever it was at the half. What do you think this score is? Um, I, I mean, I like I like Prosper to win this game. Multiply about, I don't know. just...
2: 14, 17 okay, points. Okay, safe double digits. Yeah. Nothing too crazy. Yeah. yeah. I,
1: ultimately, yeah. again, I do think, like, even though I'm so fascinated in the Prosper defense versus Jesuit offense exchanges, I think Prosper's going to win the other, the, uh, the flip-flop of that equation a bit more often
2: than not. I just hope Prosper isn't overlooking this game in any, or any of the other 9 6 A opponents because they're they have Allen on their minds. Whatever they've said, you know, what I've seen on Twitter and whatnot. You know, Coach Schmidt and the coaches—they're going to keep mm-hmm. them focused each week. But I'm hoping the players. I'm not saying I'm not you know pointing anyone out. I'm not saying anything specifically. I'm just saying you know just from what I've seen on Twitter and yeah, there's, there's been a lot of chatter. This Alan, is untreated waters for them. They, and they they, they want to be compared to Allen. They think that they're Allen's biggest test in, in, in a lot of sports not just football they think you know Prosper thinks which for good reason they've been dominant in oh, yeah. of so many sports they, they want to be up on there that upper echelon with an elite program like Allen and I hope they're not you know thinking about November 1st rather than October what Eleventh? Yeah, that's then, the thing. You it's October I mean? 9th right now we're yeah. recording this, so there's still plenty of time. So you yeah. would hope that they're not already looking ahead to a matchup that's still yeah, you know, three weeks away. Jesuit is more than capable of beating them in this district. Yeah. So just that's 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 one of my main concerns. I hope they're just not overlooking. You know,
1: uh again, it's there's not not enough to uh dissuade any of us from going no. uh and prosper in this matchup. Once again, unanimous. We're all picking prosper over Jesuit. The uh the last game on yes. these uh, we're talking about. A uh, nice little rivalry clash out in Mesquite. Mesquite versus North Mesquite. Um, let's see. Mesquite five and one overall, one and one in uh, in district play. Going up against a North Mesquite team that is two and three, zero oh and one. This game is Friday, seven thirty, out at Mesquite Memorial Stadium. Going to do a little history lesson Ooh. for this one. Um, so this is the fiftieth matchup in this rivalry's history. Overall, Mesquite holds a twenty-seven to twenty-two advantage. Um, however, North Mesquite. Would uh would beg to differ, and maybe say that it's perhaps twenty six to twenty two and one. So the uh, go on. If you read what Devin Hassan wrote in uh, in the Mesquite News previewing this matchup, he touches on what has to be the most unique installment of this rivalry, and this was back in nineteen eighty three before either you or I were born, Brian, when uh when Mesquite and North Mesquite staged a scoreless tie. Can you imagine what it would be like to cover a scoreless tie in this
2: no. day? <laughs> <laughs> Where do you even begin
1: guiding that story? I already I already feel like it's punishment when that happens to me covering a soccer. I was match. just- that's the first thing that came to mind is zero zero. Yeah. But, <laughs> yeah. But um, nevertheless, though, obviously. Because, but they gave someone the win. Yes. So let me get to that. So overtime wasn't a thing back then.
2: Boom. So yes. So
1: instead, they used a series of tiebreakers in order to decide winners okay. if the game so happened to be tied at the end of regulation. The first tiebreaker was Penetrations. You ever heard of that? In football terms? <laughs> no. <laughs> um, so yeah, penetrations <laughs> was basically something that they used to uh, to track way back in the old days where you got, any time you advanced inside the opponent's 20 yard wow. line, that counted as a penetration. So at okay. the end of the game, if it was 5 to 4, or whatever in terms of penetrations, then that team was declared the victor. I know, strange. Good thing overtime was invented. Yeah, but it's all about what you do once you get in the red zone. That's
2: what football hey, is
1: all about. Can you imagine? The, yeah, looks like you gotta, you know, some some running back on like first and ten from the twenty-two as like a measly three yard carry to get down to the, the nineteen, yeah. and like yeah, crowd goes wild because they're inside the twenty. We got a penetration. Um, oh so, n- so yeah, so that was one of the uh, that was the first tiebreaker. Well, mm-hmm. in this particular matchup, uh, the Skeeters and the Stallions were tied. So of course the they were. So the next tiebreaker breaker was the number of first downs for each team. And Dang. to that, Mesquite had a 12 to nine advantage. So, by law, they were declared the winner by virtue of a 12 to nine advantage in first down game. That is so flawed.
2: <laughs> like I, when did they get rid of that? The I, next year, <laughs> I couldn't tell
1: you, man. But yes, no, thank goodness Ugh. that that sport evolved past the uh, the penetration first down tiebreaker system because, uh, yeah, overtime football mm-hmm. is, is, a, is a much better oh, yeah. much better idea. Oh yeah. So, um, all that's to say, I'm picking Mesquite,
2: <laughs> and so is everybody else. Oh, I'm picking mesquite to win you know the penetration battle i'm picking them to win the first down battle and i'm picking them to win the, yeah. t- the actual yeah, touchdown exactly. battle
1: whether this game is being taking place in 2019 or 1983 um, <laughs> we're going with the in that one. so um and yeah that is a look at um some of the marquee matchups that are on them. Um, at least we're up for game of the week as far as what we're actually going to cover
2: i know what you're doing on thursday oh yeah I'm at the star, Lone Star Independence, but mm-hmm. Friday, uh, another game we didn't really touch on because uh, we had so many other good games this week, uh, Little Elm is hosting Wakeland. Mm-hmm. So the second week in a row, I'll see both teams, and that should be a good Friday showdown. Hopefully the weather isn't too bad. I'm seeing it's supposed to rain. It's going to be like f- in the 40s or 50s Friday well, night. Right, all. all of a sudden we're getting it's, some fall weather in the mix for a change. Yep, So should be a good one. <laughs>
1: I will be, um, let's see, I got nothing on Thursday. Um, I will be out on Friday, though, up at uh, Kimber Stadium in Murphy, covering a District 6 a battle between Allen and Plano East. Um, both teams coming off their bye week. Based on what they've shown to this point, you know, on paper, probably not the most competitive of matchups. History, though, says Uh-oh. That- Allen has fared a little, things have been a little bit tougher on Allen inside Kimber Stadium. There have been a couple of meetings in the past, I was there for one of them. The last time I saw this matchup was in 2016 when Plano East was leading midway through the fourth quarter and then Allen stages a late, some late heroics and they end up winning 38-31. to 31. Um, So you have that. There was a game that was actually on ESPN back in the day. It's kind of a showcase game for Allen, who was nationally ranked at the Mm -hmm. time. And they ended up winning that game like 42 to 38 or something like that. It was a really unexpected shocker that Planois was able to push them like that. I'd be, you know, I'm not gonna lie, I'd be a little surprised if Friday's game turned in the a same, a same manuscript. But there's at least precedent to suggest that, uh, you know, perhaps playing inside a Kimbrough has been a little bit more of a house of horrors than most road venues for, uh, for Allen.
2: Yeah. I'm not the expert in this department, especially with Allen and mm-hmm. East, but your gamer might be done at halftime. I, so.
1: I, I Listen, I put it out in my uh, for, for the previews that I do, I always take a winner and a margin of victory. I picked Alan by 35. So that tells there you, you go. so much for for history and whatnot. But yes, that's what I'm going to be covering on Friday. Um, and yeah, folks, you can uh, follow us along on Twitter. I'm at SLM. He is at Brian Murphy with an underscore at the yep. end. Um, and yeah, afterwards we'll have our stories, we'll have a rapid reaction podcast, video packages, the whole nine up at our website at StarLocalMedia.com for y'all to check out. And that'll do it for this episode of the Star Local Media High School Sports Podcast. Um, Let's see. So we'll be back with, um, we'll have a bunch of rapid reactions over the weekend from all the games that we cover live. So it's a busy slate on Thursday and a busy slate on Friday. So plenty of those for y'all to check out. And then we'll be back on Monday with another episode of the podcast itself. Uh, Folks, you enjoy the rest of your week and we will talk to y'all later.
0: Looking to hire top talent in your community? Look no further than StarLocalJobs.com.